Welcome to another episode of Left on Red Podcast. I am Jen, also known as Booking Jordan. And I'm Dwayne. So, grab the book, Dwayne. So, guess what, y'all? Dwayne actually read a book. <laughs> Let me not see you like that. No. That's okay. It's okay. true. <laughs> no, I'm so excited. So, you guys knew on my channel that I have been talking about Nickel Boys and how much I love it. And I've already done a solo review, but we wanted to do a book club podcast, one of um, the episodes to actually discuss Nickel Boys, because this time I raved about it so much, Dwayne actually read it. So yeah, let's start there. What actually got you to read this book that I recommend? The first thing that caught my attention was that it kind of took place in Tallahassee, which is where we went to school, which is what Jen said in her original um, vlog on the book. The second thing, it seemed like there might be some type of adventure stuff in there, maybe a little bit that might make it interesting. Really? Uh, the third thing, Colson Whitehead, I know she talks about him a lot. And I had also been seeing like a lot of like tweets about him and articles. I have been seeing it everywhere as well. So probably it was just like the reinforcing and... Yeah. And also, then, this cover, like, is it me or did this cover catch your eyes? For those no, of the you cover are, does stand out. Yeah, for those of you who are listening and not watching via YouTube, um, just look up the cover. The cover is something about it is so clean, but also with the two boys in the shadow. I don't know how or why, but this works. This was actually like my favorite cover of the year um, so far, randomly. Like, when I saw it, I was just like, that is crisp and clean. I actually want another copy because. Clearly, this has been through a lot. Where do we start? I guess since we all know that I loved the book and I gave it five stars, I'm not going to tell you that you have to give it a star ranking, but how'd you feel about the book? I probably won't give it a ranking till the end, but how did I feel about the book? I felt a lot of things about the book. One, I will preface all my comments by saying I don't read a lot of books. I read like articles, magazine articles, journal articles. Anyway... So I don't really have much to compare it to. And usually the stuff I do read is from like famous writers or people who are known to be really good. Whereas you read like a lot of different diverse types of books, different types of writers. Um, So you have a a basis for what's good and bad writing or what you like and don't like. You know, Dwayne says, it's funny because first of all, I want you guys to know that we have, Dwayne finished this book, was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, It was like like two days ago. Two days ago. So... We have refrained from talking about it because it just comes out more naturally when we do it on camera. So all a lot of the stuff I'm hearing for the first time. But one, the fact that you say that I have more experience on telling good writing and stuff, I think that's like bull crap. Probably no, to not, you, not telling good. good writing, but comparing what... That's crazy to me. I think Dwayne is so good at critical analysis of plots of reading of articles. Dwayne like literally reads articles nonstop and always has all these random things and is like just a wealth to me of knowledge of different stuff. So I'm always interested on your point of view or your take. I think you might be doing this whole set it up low. So you kind of like. No. So since we, since you stopped me on that point, I was talking about the writing, I guess I'll go into some of my points about the writing. So I wrote down some things as I was going through, not these. Oh, I was like, those are my notes. notes. I wrote notes on my phone since that's what I was listening on. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so obviously the writing is different because it's not, you know, coming through my brain with my characters, voices, it's someone else's um, phrasing. I also need to say that 
at certain points, I listen to it on 1.25 speed and 1.5 speed in certain areas. <laughs> so some yeah. of the suspense might have been lost or some of the things might have been lost or I might have like not been able to focus on it as clearly when it was at 1.5. Can I pause right there? Okay. Because you bring up a good point. When you guys read audiobooks, what speed, like comment below what speed you guys usually listen to because I actually am a 1.25 listener. I feel like the one is just too slow for me regardless of what it is that's reading. Um, but this actually on audio was only six hours. So this is actually a pretty quick uh, read when you think of it like that. Um, but also, I need to preface this by saying, if you're listening to this, we are assuming that you have already heard my notice. You've already realized that I said that this is the in-depth analysis or talk through after you have read the book. So this is really like book club format, assuming everyone ha who's listening has read the book. So, so spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yes. Okay. Back to Dwayne's thoughts. So yeah, there were some points in the in the story where I felt like it was a little bit too much description or it was too descriptive. And so to me, it stood out as extra or unnecessary details. I had a feeling of, all right, let's get to it. But I think those things are what makes people consider him a good writer. So like there was one point, I wish I could find it, but I didn't mark it um, before time. But he was like... Um, his arms were stretched like the taffy that was underneath the store <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that makes me laugh. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. Can okay, you? so one, that's hilarious to me because when you say it like that, it sounds funny, but no, I love the writing in it, but I think that just has to do with preference. When you said that, one of the things that I thought was interesting because sometimes I'm so visual in the way that I see, see the things, there's a point when he's talking about um, the shop owner, the guy that he worked for when he was a little kid. He describes the pen that he gave him, and mm -hmm. I forget what it is. It's something like he was like it was a fine ballpoint pen or something like that. Mm -hmm. And something about when pens, I can feel the. Yeah. Do you know? And I can see about? like the the box, the velvet box yeah, that it came in. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. That's just uh, that's something that I enjoy, but that's a preference. Yeah. So that's really interesting that um, for you, I think also with you liking the articles and liking those type of things, it's like, it's not really so much of building that you kind of get to the facts. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. probably just a reading preference. Yeah, and it's also, it's not like I was really, really waiting on this book, so it's almost like, okay, get to the good part, or... <laughs> <laughs> no, because that, that passage about the taffy was in the beginning of the book. I don't even remember and the so, taffy, that's the funny part. And so, like, I... I don't know, I think of... I compare books to movies, and so I'm... You have to like read a book for a long ways to get to something. Like there could be a page or two uh, of yeah. setting up what the store looks like. Not in this book necessarily, but in books in general. And so it's like, all right, you got to have like a long attention span, which I guess I don't have. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's more so. It's funny that you say this because this is all about world building. And I think in writing, because you're relying on your words and you don't have the ability to just have everything set up for you, that world building and developing everything around is very crucial, important, at least for me to get warped into the story and to really kind of feel. But I can see in the beginning, it definitely starts off slow. I will agree with you on that. But as the story progresses, I think we understand even more so why it started that way, because it really gives you a background of who Elwood was, like who he is at, 
at his core, like how he's really about these like fundamental beliefs. And he has that naivete kind of where Dr. King, he says like, you know, if you fight right, he's like really studying these words and taking them so much to heart that he like lives by them and kind of treats them like Bible. Like this is, this is what it is. And it's that part for me is almost heartbreaking just seeing that, I don't want to call it blind faith, but it almost feels like he's really struggling in some of the concepts that Dr. King has if he doesn't really quite understand it. Like that part with the agape love, I would have to play that. But when basically Martin Luther King is saying like, you know, if they drag you in the streets, if they beat you, no matter what you do to me, I'm still going to love you. We have to love like our oppressors. <laughs> I'm so sorry for laughing. <laughs> it, and, that, and that part in the audiobook comes off really bad. It sounds really bad which i'm sure he maybe have wanted it to like the juxtaposition of those words at the time which is almost like basically at the time that it was going on those words were being said and looking at it from that perspective it just sounds really bad (laughs) i i hope y'all understand this is why it's so interesting when i do these videos with and i'm on the mlk like spectrum of things so (laughs) it was very surprising how jarring it was to hear hear the words so we definitely got to play that yeah if i have my thing i could actually play it because it's already but while you're looking that up i want to get to something deeper regarding what you just said which is it brings up something about his writing that may be an undertone or something which is that the way that was set up really slow Tallahassee's like a slow town everything's going normal like your day-to-day is boring it's slow that's almost like how it starts off then you the New York pieces are really fast he's here one second he's there another second he's talking about the job one time somebody visits another time so those parts are fast and so things happen quicker the descriptions are more quick the words used are a little bit more actiony, I guess, compared to the ones where they're still in Tallahassee, where it's, everything is described like you're watching like a sunrise or something. Everything's happening slow. It's still beautiful, but it's just so. Yeah. I love. This is what I'm saying. It's so much better when you read the books because I'm telling you, Dwayne. Like when you you put it exactly to word. You know how I said like it felt real. And I can say that it just felt authentic, like everything that he was describing, I could just feel it. And when you talked about Tallahassee and that whole thing and the pace and how when he was in New York, I can feel the movement. I knew that, but to articulate that and to actually put a name to why it was, it was like light bulb yeah. went off when you said that because you are So what you're describing now on. is smart. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you, you know you are very smart. But that is just spot on. Like... If you are ever in Tallahassee when there's like nothing to do, and not even saying there's nothing to do, but just like walking sometimes, like sometimes we would just be walking, not me and him, but me and my friends or me myself, and you're just walking down Tennessee Street, maybe walking to the McDonald's or something like that, and things are just slowed down. So even though this was decades before, Tallahassee hit on the nail. But okay, now let me click on it. Throw us in jail, and we will still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children, and as difficult as it is, we will still love you. 
Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities after midnight hours and drag us out onto some wayside road and beat us and leave us half dead <laughs> and we tough. will still love you. But be ye assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. And one day we will win our freedom. The capacity to suffer. Elwood, all the Nickel Boys existed in the capacity three okay but yeah even with hearing that it almost makes me like tear up and also uncomfortable laughter like it's like a this sounds so crazy like yeah. it sounds so crazy and but at the same time and you have to understand at this time there is no real you're trying every different theory that you can possibly gather on how can we overcome hatred? How can we overcome racism? How can we break through? And thankfully, you know, there was a Martin Luther King and there were people like that who were trying this route. You have to try. We still haven't figured it out. It's how many years later we still haven't figured out how you can end the strategy. Yeah. The effective strategy on something that's literally illogical and makes no sense. So, but to hear that and to hear someone who's going through so much suffering and so much pain and who is grabbing onto these words on trying to figure out the concept behind them and how they can do that, it's heartbreaking and ugh for me. Yeah. And the, the, the use of the, I guess, the leadership we, I guess, because the individuals aren't necessarily included in the we that MLK was talking about. Because both him and Elwood got killed. So it's like he's not really talking about individuals. He's talking about, and he's not talking about a time. It's like at some point, something's going to happen despite your violence, I guess. We're just going to keep taking it until you stop. And you know what's interesting is I think this is happening in the 50s or 60s that this um, story is placed because they mentioned the Brown versus um, Brown versus Board of Education and how in the beginning of the book, how, you know, that had recently came to pass. And I think that was passed like in 1954 or something. But it's interesting because he's having this conversation, Elwood is, with his grandmother. And he's like, things are about to change. Like, when do you think like we're going to be integrated? And, you know, me knowing history and how everything panned out, like, in the South, most places were not integrated until like the early 70s. And after the book, I had to actually look it up because I wanted to know specifically Tallahassee. In Tallahassee, they believe like it was 1971. Like that's kind of when their landmark it because a hospital there was desegregated at that point and kind of like that's when things got the ball rolling. So you're talking about like two, almost two decades after, you know, that sign that's like when it's coming into effect. And of course, if you read the book, Elwood never got to see that day. But I don't know. It's just interesting. And I can never know what it was like coming up during that time to believe things will work out. But at the same time, while reading this, something I wanted to touch base was I saw a lot of myself in Elwood. And knowing that he was 15, 14 at this time, or I think around 15 at this time. And I referenced when I reviewed this book that talking about the reform school and how it was near Tallahassee um, my freshman year. There was a situation, not a situation, there was a murder of a young boy right before I started my freshman year in Tallahassee. And he was killed at a 
juvenile detention center reform school outside of um, Tallahassee and Panama City, Martin Lee Anderson, and I said you could look it up and all that stuff. But I remember coming on campus and seeing that and seeing all the activism and all the students like gathering together and coming together and fighting. I was like, wow, they got this on video. Like, I can't believe they did that to this boy and they think they could just get away with it. Do they not, not know what time it is right now? You can't be doing stuff. Like, I was so just naive. And I really believed that everything was just going to go completely different. And yeah, something's going to happen and some type of right is going to be made from that. You can't get away with it. This isn't the old. Elwood constantly throughout the book is saying, this isn't like the old times. Like, you know, times are changing. And in that mid-2000 era, like, I really was thinking in my head that we got cameras and stuff now. You really not getting away with stuff. And then it kept happening where people were getting away with stuff regardless of what evidence or whatever you have on them. Yeah, that was a big time on campus. I was part of NAACP at the time, and I was actually a juvenile justice chairperson, I think, at that time. Um, but I wasn't leading any of the marches, but I was participating and stuff like that. A lot of those people that were involved in that ended up, you know, starting organizations based on based off of that. And um, when it came to the Trayvon Martin stuff, they were heavily involved in that. Yeah, so a lot of this stuff is connected. A lot of people have been doing a lot of hard work regarding um, juvenile justice, starting from the Martin Lee Anderson uh, period, and maybe before in their personal lives. I do think that's a pivotal moment. For me, I felt like it was a... Clearly, I wasn't turned completely cynic based off of that, but I think it was a little bit of dose of reality of that doesn't mean you stop fighting. That doesn't mean you stop trying to improve situations, but the world doesn't necessarily operate the way that it should. Like that innocence, I feel like was removed on thinking that justice will be served. But changing directions, who was your favorite character or characters? My favorite characters, okay, so let me think. Off rip, I think it's hard to say. I really, I really, yeah, I really did like Turner. I would have a better answer when you ask me what's my favorite part of the book. But Turner, as a whole rounded character, I felt like I related the most to him, and I just liked his how he would just play and joke about certain things, but he also had but was, so much to him. But like so, the way he talks. You mean Turner as a kid or Turner as an adult? Or oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm talking about Turner as a kid. Because when Turner Elwood was going on, I was a little bit, I thought, I was like, wait, Elwood the one who made it out? What happened to Turner? That was a good little twist for me at the end, which I guess I should get back to asking you if you saw it coming or if you were like me. Like, Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah we'll to that. But um, Turner as a kid, Turner as him and Nickel Boys. I think when I first really loved um, Turner was when Elwood was in the hospital and all of a sudden this fool comes in talking about the freaking soap powders or whatever mm -hmm. that he swallowed. And he was like, about that nurse, the witch doctor, he was like, you can come in there with your legs on. That's <laughs> prescribe you two Aspen. aspirins. And I was like, Turner, you was a fool. I'm not, even gonna, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I don't really remember Turner as a kid. I just knew it was one. A lot of those kids were, they were too many kids' Turner names. Turner was his, the best friend. It was the two. It was the two main ones. I just was knew he L. was hanging out with a lot of kids, man. There was everything he did was with Turner. All the community service, all of that was with I, Turner. Turner. He, he might have been there, but I knew he was with another some other kids oh or a kid. Oh, my God. 
that is so frustrating <laughs> for me. You don't even understand, but I have to realize I can't control this. That was when I was listening on 1.5, man. <laughs> you know what? I'm I knew he was there with, with like his, and I was also focusing on the main character. So, so the, who's your the, favorite? The character? time I started to get to know Turner was at the end of the book. No, and that's when he was all beaten down and wasn't even himself. He was out with Turner. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when they were running. But anyway, oh, we'll get yeah. over that. So that's when I really knew Turner. I, I started knowing Turner Turner for sure when the, uh, when them three dudes from the county or from the state or whatever I were doing the inspection. Oh, that's when? Okay. That's when I was like, okay, Turner is an important person. Even throughout, Turner was the dude he met at the cafeteria, the first one, the only one who brought Turner. I couldn't remember he, all the names. He was the pivotal person throughout everything from the hospital. All of a sudden, Turner show up. He's always gotten him. Turner's the one who got Elwood on community service. He was one of those other kids at the... He was... You're not going to do that to Turner. I'm not saying he was. You are not going to do I'm that to Jack Turner. Mind, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm not saying he was. I'm saying there were so many names that those kids introduced all at once. There he were a like lot of kids. three people at the lunch table at once. Okay, so who was, was your like favorite? Thing. Anyway. First character. So I don't get that. The person that stuck with me <laughs> the most for about a few days that I was just thinking about all the time before I finished the book. I know who you're going to say. Can I guess it? Yeah. Well, Jamie. That, yeah, that's who. Jamie. I knew it because would. Because I feel like the basis for everything that happened in the book is based on, is they use, or he used Jamie as like what is an allegory for racism or how stupid racism is. Basically, Jamie is Hispanic, right? Yeah, he's like Mexican. I think he's Mexican and his father's white or something like that but i know they refer to him as mexican but i think he might be mixed okay mixed either way so sometimes so at the facility the juvenile plantation basically is separated into some of the white boys go in certain places the black kids go in certain places this kid jamie is fair-skinned but when he's outside he gets a little bit darker and so every once in a while they'll put him with the white people and treat him in one way, and every once in a while they'll treat him with, or put him with black people and treat the him colors. the way they, yeah. the black people are treated. And um, but he's still the same person. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, that's so my just, life. I just hop around, and one day they'll decide or figure it out. So it shows you how fickle and stupid and made up all of this racism is, and this whole structure of race and all that stuff. Right. How just ridiculous it is in any categories that we have. Period. So light skin, dark skin, all those different cat like it depends on whatever because it's a made up structure that's just not real. And does that change who Jamie is? Jamie's the same person whether he's on the white side or the colored and, side. And even if it is real, he shouldn't be treated differently based on that. So there was one part of the story that you really wanted me to like that I didn't like. Another one of those one point five pieces which is which is the boxing part so there are some parts like the boxing piece and i guess also the jamie piece where it to me it didn't have a true point in the overall story it kind of completed people's character arcs no but to me they didn't feel like they were necessary 110 percent false and let's go to griffin let's go to griffin the reason why is because you could take them out and to me, no, the story still remains the same. Absolutely not. It's not everyday in, life in of what everything's going on in 
if you want an article where it's just a one piece of the atrocities, yes. No, it's not but, a one piece of the atrocities. I'm saying you could replace any of those two pieces with some other thing that happened. My whole thing is, okay, with, you would still boys. have to do it to explain the environment and to explain all this stuff. And additionally, to get on the boxing thing, which we'll get into that because that was one of my favorite parts in the book, which I was... When Dwayne finished the book, that was one of the things I'm like, oh my gosh, for that boxing part. And Dwayne was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay, wait, did you uh, read right, the we're book? We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. That was important to me because with Griffin, he is slow. Like he clearly doesn't have the same capacity. Everybody there knows he's slow. So he's supposed to dive and do it in the third round. And it took him forever to even realize that they wanted him to lose the fight purposely. Like all of... The, them were trying to talk like when I say them the overseers basically were trying to tell him you have to dive and he still wasn't comprehending finally they're like if you don't dive in the third round we're gonna take you out back or whatever and he's like oh, okay so we finally get to the point like did he get it did he not even till this day I don't know if he really truly understood the gravity and it's not until you know he's punching and everybody's like man he's really doing this for our race and all this yeah, stuff he's going for it he's going for it and it reminds me coincidentally of any time we, we we just be wanting a win and it's this collective even though you know the next day everything's gonna go back to the same crap now I don't want to say same crappy life but the same regular life we be having that little bit of hope for additionally how it's taking advantage of someone who doesn't even comprehend the stuff like when they said when he Griffin won and he's crying and everybody's thinking he's crying because he's overwhelmed but he's like I thought it was a second I thought it was a second like he realizes at that moment, I feel like he realizes, crap, they gonna kill me. It was just like, these are kids that don't know anything. You're literally putting all this on them. And I feel like all of that was important to show for those reasons. I, I get that. Like, like everybody's, yeah, yeah, he's going. And then they gonna come in and remind you. Bruh, I'm gonna have to bookmark place. it and I'm gonna have you listen to that whole thing of the buildup of it, even if you don't I want to. I could tell the buildup of it. I could tell all that stuff. Okay, so this is a perfect transition to what was your favorite like section in the book? So my favorite part was probably the twist and everything. I didn't see it coming. But the part that sticks out to me for this question is Clayton's scene. Clayton's attempt to escape. Oh, yeah. That was so sad. And I, at first, I had to rewind it because I wasn't sure what happened. So I rewound it. And then when I listened, I went, oh, like, like out loud. And I've never really done that to a book or audio book before. That you're right, but I'm saying that book takes you through the emotions and takes you on those trips with them. Because it was funny because when the first when you got the thing off the clotheslines and the lady saw him, I was like, no. And then I realized, oh, she's happy that he got mm -hmm. the clothes. Oh, okay, he got it out. But I knew this wasn't going to end well, <laughs> so I don't know why I was relieved. But what that remind, what that made me think is that at that point I started thinking, okay, now I can see why under why you say underground would be such a book that I would want to read so much because towards the end of the of book yeah. you can start to see how he positions things and even how the because the parts thing I didn't like that at first but then I started to see how that made perfect sense for the way the book um ended did you see that twist coming I did not it started to creep up but I there's no way I could have even thought that like even when it happened I was still like okay did I read did I hear that wrong um, so yeah, no, I didn't see it coming. So it was funny because while I'm reading the whole part with Elwood, I'm like, this doesn't sound anything like Elwood. But in my mind, it never could, I never could fathom that, oh, this is because this isn't Elwood. You said it's Elwood, so I'm thinking it's Elwood. 
So I'm over here like, what happened in between that? My whole thing was y'all need to do some flashbacks so I could figure out what changed this boy and what took off from the whole getting the notes and doing all that stuff. Like what happened to him for this? And I was thinking, dang, Turner really said, even when they were doing the runaway thing, I was still like, Turner said he's not going to take no fools with him. And when he decided to take Elwood, I was like, Is, did Turner get killed? Because I really cared about Turner. So I wanted to know what happened to him. And then as it's easing up, I'm like, something not right with this. Could this be Turner? But it was literally like right before everything happened. I, I was sure about it, like when it happened, but I still had to rewind because I was like, okay, maybe he did that to jump because my brain just wouldn't let me accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause that's when I was saying like- the way he described it, he didn't describe it like, he described it like he was- He didn't say he died, yeah. yeah until he, was, he said he died. Yeah. Turner was such a good friend. Elwood was too. In that moment, too. I felt like completely detached of Elwood, like I never knew him, which was interesting. It really made the story really seem like a Jack Turner's perspective. Yeah. Like that's because that's what it is. Really. Yeah, which it's man, crazy. that was because we only know like we don't really we only know him up to fifteen years, yeah. and even then you don't really know all of Elwood. You're like you want to shake yeah. him because a lot of the stuff about Elwood is about his potential, yeah, and, and stuff like that. His potential and his future. Something happened, but he has a bright future. Maybe he'll get to see it. That's all you kind of really see. You don't get to see really anything actualized regarding Turner. I mean, regarding Elwood. And it was hard because with Elwood, you know, you have those things. He's like, okay, well, I just ain't going to get in trouble. I'll just stay out of things and I'll get out of here twice as fast. I'll figure out the time and I'll just do it twice as whatever. And, you know, he's just going in this thinking, like, if I just do everything right, everything. I don't know, man. That book, it messed, it messed with me in a good way where the characters are real people and they're people who I think about. Like I think about them and I think about the Elwoods in my life and the Turners in my life and the parts of those characters who I, where I see them in myself and people around me and like the Jamies and the Griffins and Desmond. I think about him too. I think about all of them kind of. Going back to Colson's writing, the Radisson, his description of the Radisson was a metaphor for Elwood and Turner? No, I never caught that. Can you tell me more about that? Um, I didn't pick up on that. It's at the end of the book. So he's talking about the Radisson that's on... I'll see if I can find it real quick. The Radisson sat on a downtown corner of Monroe Street. It was an old hotel they'd added a bunch of floors to. The dark Martin windows and brown metal siding of the new parts clashed with the red brick of the bottom three stories. But it was better than demolishing the place and starting anew. I never thought, while I was reading, I never thought of the Radisson like that or see the, I think towards the end, it went back to that slower pace, like, cause we were back in Tallahassee and all of that. And I kind of got, like, I was just, my brain was already still with the whole Elwood Turner, him telling his wife and all this whole situation. But that does make perfect sense, especially because of the buildup of, not the buildup, but before that, you know, Turner's just talking about how he kind of like decided to live on for Elwood and to make him proud. Like basically his whole life's purpose is to be reshaped into a man that Elwood would have been proud of. And I, ah, it makes me tear up thinking about it. But um, I did bookmark this part, which made me think of that. This is the epilogue. Snatched them up at midnight and brutalized them. It could only hurt them in the old familiar ways. All the men on the website were white. Who spoke for the black boys? It was time someone did. 
Seeing the grounds and the haunted buildings on the nightly news, he had to go back to speak about Elwood's story, no matter what happened. You like, yeah, and it's just basically talking about like everything he does. It's like he's just constantly like that love that he had. I feel like that was his really his brother. Um, yeah. Did you realize at the end, I'm kind of jumping around, but um, in the author's note or Colson Whitehead, when he was talking about how he took a lot of the stuff from real articles and all this mm -hmm. other stuff and how the history in Frenchtown was a big support on gathering the information to build yeah. Tallahassee and the black um, community that kind of built that area. And did, I was like, I really appreciated that. And I felt like it was just, yeah, it, it was, was cool. just good. Yeah, and I think there's one yeah. thing that helped me make it through um, the beginning part was seeing where he's going. Oh, is he going to mention that? Oh, is he going to mention that? Oh, I remember that. Um, I wonder if he's going to mention this. And then another thing, it would make me think of stuff that happened in Frenchtown. Um, I used to volunteer at the Frenchtown Boys and Girls Club when I first got to Tallahassee. I remember my engine broke or failed, um, and my granddad came down, and we went into Frenchtown and found, like, an alley mechanic who just so happened to have an engine, and we, you know, paid him to put the, oh drop the engine gosh. in there. So I never knew that story. Mm -hmm. That is so, oh, but Paul, that is so, I can picture that, too. Um, but that's crazy, and it, that's funny, because I used to volunteer at that Boys and Girls Club, but not must not been at the same time. I yeah, only, only I did it mainly my freshman year. Oh, I wasn't there yet. So yeah, clearly I like the book a lot. Dwayne, you now we need to finish up with your thing. I'm, I'm not gonna rate it. Why not? I think it was a really good book. We want your honesty. It wouldn't There's be a fair. It wouldn't be fair for me. There are certain parts I didn't even really recognize. I would probably have to listen to it or read it again. I don't know. We don't. We never know. We'll never Come know. on, Dwayne. Nobody's gonna. Uh, Dwayne, I think, is scared because he doesn't want to say anything negative if it's not. No, that's not the case. It's just that uh -huh. I don't know if I gave it a fair shot. That would be fair. But based on the shot that I gave it, I'll give it uh, three point five. Oh, that's a good book. Anytime. Well, for me, anything that's a three star it means it's good. If it's two star, that means. But I if I gave it a fair, slow shot, and I set some time away and I could take my time with it, it could probably easily be a four. Yeah, see, I think I think that was a very fair assessment. Like, I don't think everybody's going to say this book's five stars. One, you have to realize when something speaks to me and it impacts me on an emotional level in all these ways, I don't, there's not exact formula as to what a five star is for me. It's more so I wouldn't change anything about it. And I just, this book, I can't stop thinking about. Like, it clearly impacted me. So that doesn't mean, like, that if you say 3.5, that's not a fair assessment. That is definitely a fair assessment, and that's what you think. I think that means a very good book is how I think of 3.5. I think Underground Railroad, I probably gave that like a four star or maybe three and a half, three and a half four stars. So, yay, I'm so excited that we finished the book together. That was really good. Um, Dwayne actually had, you did do one book where I guess I didn't support as well, was Friday Night Lights, which was sports-based. And we never got to complete yeah. that. But hopefully we get another book. Maybe we book. will since sports, football season is coming up. We can yeah. talk about it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let us know if you want to hear about Friday Night Lights, the book. Yeah, because there's a lot of different stuff that's brought up in that book. I think it's I think it's a good one. Nonfiction. Yeah, and it's nonfiction, which, you know, I love. Um, so, But I definitely think there should be more books that we both come in reading and mm -hmm. seeing, even if it's articles or different stuff like that. Because um, I think it's always more 
It's just interesting, this brain of yours, this yeah. little head of yours. So let us know um, your favorite characters, favorite parts, and stuff like that. Yes, please do. Anyways, love and light, and let's continue this conversation in the comment section below. Deuces.